This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, another edition of the opening kickoff. Here we are. Good morning to you and yours. Hope you had a great evening. It's the uh, Sports Radio 105.5 FM, WNSP, and WNSP.com. We encourage you to join the conversation here on this nappy-nominated show. Uh, in fact, votenappies.com. That's where you can find us. Uh, three different categories were nominated for. WNSP nominated for seven. Um that's more than the number of games the Western Conference went to, which was uh, kind of expected. You know, I did some homework because we raised the question, has there ever been in the history of the NBA postseason where both finals were four and out? And the answer is no. It has never happened. It could. Obviously with the Lakers, and it was a very good game last night, uh, and we'll talk about it, of course. Denver did win 113-111. to 111. They're going to the finals for the very first time in their history. And if the uh, Miami Heat, defeats uh, Boston tonight, playing at home. It'll be the first time, Mark, in NBA history where both finals just went four. For the record, it was the ninth time in the Lakers' history they went four and out uh, for LeBron James in his history. It was the third time that his a team that he's been on went three and out. And this is the first time, as we said, that the Nuggets are going to the uh, finals. In previous five times that they made it to the conference finals they were eliminated four times by the lakers so a little measure of revenge and i found it kind of interesting because you you actually we actually right before we left the air about carmelo anthony uh deciding to retire although he hadn't played this year so it was kind of foregone conclusion but um he actually started his career with denver but never really got them to the finals you know, as I left the station yesterday, and I do listen to the Dan Patrick show on WNSP, I like his show, and he was talking about the fact that if Denver uh, wins, if Denver wins and the four and out, that the narrative leading up to the finals would not be about the Nuggets, which, which unfortunately is the way things are it'll be about the lakers it'll be about the lakers downfall it'll be about lebron although he had a fabulous game last night and then after the game he has an inter a post-game interview where he hints that he may retire so now that's going to be a storyline people are going to follow up on that is he really he still got contract with the lakers he said he wants to play with his son but he said he's going to give it some consideration. So basically, instead of the talk being on Denver and the great season for Jokic and his teammates, at least leading up to the finals, it's going to be probably about the Lakers' downfall. And then tonight, if the Celtics get routed again, it'll be about that. So I, I think uh, LeBron was simply playing to the narrative, right? I, I think... The, the main reason people have an issue, those that hate LeBron or have an issue with LeBron, um, have reason to. That's one of them. I think that's normal narrative after a loss. You always sit there and you, you contemplate long term. That That's fine. But there's always that, 
He got hit. He's hurt. He flops. It's it's all very dramatic. The truth of the matter is the Lakers should have won last night. I thought the Lakers did a very poor job. The key to the Lakers win last night was back-to-back charges from Jokic. They gave him five fouls, and they never attacked. They never went after him. There were a couple times where they got the switch, and LeBron went after him. And as you could see, Jokic wasn't playing defense. He couldn't afford to. I thought LeBron didn't have enough in the tank. And that's not on him. Dude had 40. He was like one assist shy of a triple-double. I mean, he, he played as well as he could. My point is that that chain of events and then Jokic is like three-pointer at the buzzer as the shot, shot clock was going down over Anthony Davis were just absolute backbreakers. Because I'll tell you the truth of the matter is I thought the Nuggets – didn't play well enough down the stretch to win that game. I thought Murray made a horrible decision to shoot the ball with about three or four seconds left. There was still time left on the shot clock. I, I thought they sold on a couple of possessions at the end. The Lakers really should have won that game. I agree with you, but I think here's a difference, and I and I thought about this today, but I don't want to get into the James Jordan because we could go on and on, and you know everybody's got their own opinion. But usually in a case when, and, and I, I this is a general opinion, when – the, the Bulls were involved in a game like this. They usually won because Jordan either would make a shot or he had help with a Kerr or Peyton. James had no help yesterday. D'Angelo Russell disappeared in the series, and he was benched, and he had no help. Uh, I, I thought, you see, LeBron James, and I've gotten to know more about him through the book I'm reading, has always been more of a team player, get everybody involved. Well, yesterday he tried to take it on his shoulders. He did, on his big shoulders, and try to win because he wasn't getting much help. Anthony Davis, you look at the box score, he had 20 points, but he didn't shoot well, and he was exhausted. So he tried to win it, and then he went in for the last attempt, and that shot got blocked and everything. But he just put it on his shoulders. He was going to try to win the game, and he couldn't get it done, and he had very little help, uh, you know, sporadically. Not like uh, Jokic did because, again, Jamal Murray, you said he had a bad shot, but he had 25 points in the game, and, and then you had 22 from Aaron Gordon who never – you know, he's not much of a scorer. So he, he had a lot more resources around him. So, like, when he throws the ball to him, at least they're scoring. With LeBron, it wasn't pretty much the case. But I agree with you. I actually fell asleep thinking the Lakers were going to win this. And it didn't happen. So they're finished. Well, they just they got dominated on the boards. Just absolutely worked on the boards for at least the second half. I'll be honest. I didn't see much of the, I didn't see any of the first half. Uh, I was doing other things, checked the score, and said the Lakers were up like 15. And yeah. then I turned it on in the third quarter. I'm like, oh, snap, here we go. It's a one-possession ball game. And I watched the end of the game. But um, Denver, what they do offensively, is so difficult to defend. It's very simple what they do. It's just so hard to defend because Jokic is so good with the ball uh, at the top of the key um, that you j- there's just no – there's so many different options. He's so good with getting the ball to the right guy. Well, I thought uh, Van Gundy made a very good point uh, calling the game with Green and, and Jackson was that um, they they switched their lineup. Okay, they benched Russell. They put Hakamura in there uh, as a defender, allowing Davis to run the baseline. And again, Mark, you're more into coaching, obviously, than I am. But Van Gundy pointed out and says, you know, you don't come this far and make changes like this. You don't, in a last gasp effort, try to pull one out of the hat when you haven't been doing it, you know, during the course of the season. Now, 
I'm not saying that's the reason they lost. I mean, you know, granted, the Lakers will fall back on this, losing all four, but their games were very competitive. They lost by five points, six points, two points, and then they had a terrible fourth quarter the other day. The third quarter yesterday was their downfall. You pointed out they had a 15-point lead. Uh, in the first half, and that's what I saw. I, I watched a lot of the first half, and arguably LeBron's greatest first half in a playoff ever with 31 points, but again, having to carry the team because he wasn't getting as much help as he should have. And he just, uh, I, whether he ran out of steam or whatever in the second half, I think he played like all but four seconds of the game, so obviously that the wear and tear had something to do with it. But, you know, this is what's happening now, and Dan Patrick is right. It's going to be about the Lakers. We should be giving a lot of credit to Denver, the way they played, and going into their first finals, and, you know, the way that uh, the team kind of rallied around Jokic, and, and there were a lot of contributions even off the bench, which the Lakers had zero yesterday hey by the way uh i know we got a whole bunch of other things that uh, you had a story yesterday if you, i'll let you talk about it about the coaching change here in mobile because you're the one who first told me about it oh on the high school level? yeah the high school level is pretty big change um okay uh so uh chad applin the faith academy uh, basketball coach long term long time faith academy uh basketball coach has taken the job and been approved as the spanish fort uh, basketball coach that job became vacant when Jimbo Tolbert um, uh, left Spanish Fort to take the Gulf Shores job we'll talk to Chad Applin at 730 about said position uh, so a little change in the dynamic there in college basketball we'll get some uh, thoughts from Chad on why he made that move um, as far as the rest of the show uh, Murphy coach Justin Hannon will talk a little high school football that'll be at 630 David Green will join us in hour number one as well Travis Ryer at 7 o'clock. We mentioned Applin at 7.30. Keith Gill, you mentioned yesterday where he was going to join us, the Sunbelt Conference Commissioner, at 8 o'clock. And uh, we'll see what Orlando Alzagari's uh, showering habits uh, do for our show at 8.30. We'll do some Chick-fil-A for you as well. Um, I had another story, which I don't know if we'll have time really to get into, but about Tom Brady became becoming a part owner with the Raiders. He, he's like the third NFL player ever to get an ownership but here's the deal as you know he's going to be working for Fox so will he get a Raider game to do being an owner or a part owner or minority owner of the Raiders and how is that going to sit having uh, can you imagine Jerry Jones doing color on a game or you know some of the other controversial owners it, it's really intriguing because he's got like this 10-year deal with Fox and now he buys into the Raiders, but yet they don't. The reports are that this is not going to be an issue. That sure he's he's going to work for Fox and call games and let it be. Uh, you guys can jump in on all of this when we come back. Uh, hit us up in the app at WNSP.com. Your thoughts on the Lakers Nuggets last night, uh, and uh, plenty plenty more to uh, get to throughout the course of our day this morning. Let's get you started with the scoreboard traffic and weather. We'll come back with your thoughts. Uh, Triple G can jump in as well. It's the opening kickoff. We're just getting started here on a uh, Tuesday edition right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hi, my name is Sherman Williams, former running back for the University of Alabama and the Dallas Cowboys. And I wake up each morning listening to WNSP 105.5.
Adam Davis looking to help. Shot clock at four. Jokic has to put it up. Falling away, puts it up. Bang! Nikola Jokic knocks it down. His foot was on the line. A two-pointer. What a shot. 622. That was actually the shot. I, I think that was the shot I was referencing in the first segment. It was called initially a two. They went back and changed it to a three. It was an unbelievable shot. Anthony Davis was all up in his grill. And, and Jokic just kind of like threw it up the way he does behind his head it was uh, it was just a stupid shot but a huge shot for the nuggets and i'll say this because i was critical of uh of murray uh there with taking that shot with a little too much time left on that clock dude made an unbelievable defensive play on lebron at the end of the game there right after uh and then uh he saved the day got the got the block but but uh but murray kind of tied up that ball it was pretty clean i mean it's as clean as you're gonna get uh, in an NBA game from a defensive standpoint. So uh, it was almost anticlimactic that last that, that last play for the Lakers because they had set it up. I mean, it was all set up for a, a, a heroic finish there and dramatic finish, and it just kind of fizzled out there. But uh, the Nuggets get it done. Yeah, LeBron had a couple of his shots blocked. There was one in the first half where he went up, and he appeared to be all alone for a dunk, and Gord- I think it was Gordon came out of nowhere and knocked him down, and uh, he got his hand, but he actually made the block, too, but uh, they would call him for a foul, which became an issue with the uh, three broadcasters about flagrant foul or not flagrant foul. But I hope we get – I'd like to hear that uh, play again at the end of the game. I'm I'm sure we can find it where Murray uh, made the play that stopped LeBron from scoring as LeBron drove, and that would have tied the game and obviously sent it into overtime. Yeah, I was thankful for no overtime. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Did you stay up for the whole game? I mean, yeah. for the second half? Yeah, I watched mo- I watched pretty much the whole second half. Um, I think I fell asleep when it was like 102, 102 or something like that. I'll say this. At least the Lakers were competitive, and, and, and that's going you know, something uh, more so than Boston, which they have not been as competitive. And it's, it's if Boston loses tonight, it's going to be an interesting debate. Which of the teams really was the worst of the two? You know, wh- and does it really matter? I mean, if you get if you get beat, uh, you know, four games to none, obviously there's nothing to, to set your hat on. There's nothing to look back on and smile about. There, there's nothing. You're going back to the drawing board. But two storied franchises, the two most storied franchises. And if they both go out 4-0, which has never happened before in the finals, which of the teams really was more pathetic than the next? And I'd have to say right now it's Boston. Um, Sean in the app said uh, about LeBron that uh, he has to have all eyes on him, has to be the center of attention. Basically, he's the equivalent to my four-year-old. Well, I don't there's, some, there's some truth to that. There's some there's some truth to that. What, what kind of what do you the mean? The overdramatic uh, flopping, or when he gets hurt, it's the extra second on the floor. It's the it's the it's the stuff that rubs people the wrong way. Um, just get up. If are you hurt or are you injured, kind of thing. It, it just feels like he knows the the cameras on him and he's milking it. He's got a 38 year old body. It takes him a little longer. Hmm. I don't think that's it. I don't uh, think that's it. 
think you're being a little too dramatic with the guy. He's he does he's he I'm put being I, he dramatic put by a, calling him dramatic. Yeah, he put okay. a, he put quite Good an take. effort. He was a great effort last night, Mark. Maybe maybe his best playoff performance. I don't know, Nick. Do you buy into that as far as his performance? Best playoff performance? No, nowhere near. What was his best? Oh my gosh! Remember, like the game winners he hit in Toronto. Remember the 2016 finals when he blocked Iguodala and he had like 40 points almost every game. This this kind of reminded me of when he started out with Cleveland and he really had little help. And you know, I mean, the players out there are decent, but it it just didn't seem like anybody was giving him a lot of help uh, in in the game yesterday, or even during the postseason to be or during the series with the Denver. That's the yeah, way it seemed to me. I don't want to hear anything about Anthony Davis being a top 10 player ever again. I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> yeah. Isn't he the guy that sits out half the season? So how, why is he so exhausted then? I don't know. With why his was load Tristan management. Thompson playing harder than Anthony Davis? Dude was just commentating for ESPN a month ago. And playing well, too. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, why can't? Why can't Anthony Davis do that? It's not like Tristan Thompson is any bigger than he is. I I thought uh I thought he was a little gun shy. I think uh, Jokic he just that that dude just was having his way. I thought uh, I think they tried different things. They tried Anthony Davis at some points during the uh during the during the series to guard Jokic. They went to they went to LeBron a little bit. I I just I don't think he ever felt comfortable uh with Jokic kind of Man in the paint. I really don't. I, I I mean, how many guys? How many guys have constantly got a, a hand in 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 Anthony Davis's face? Right. I mean, it's got to be pretty demoralizing, you know. If you're one of the best players in the NBA, you truly believe you are the best, especially at your position. And here you are lining up against a guy who plays your position, and you can just tell every night that this guy is just way better than you. Well, didn't they also give him the freedom to roam the paint? And they put Hakamura more so. Uh, they, they made that change and had him trying to cover uh, Jokic and, and had Davis kind of freelance a little bit. Yeah, they did, but, I mean, it just wasn't working. Like on offense, he's a liability on offense because – He's either going to take a mid-range pull-up after a little jab, or he's going to get in the post and throw up a contested hook shot. And it's just he just doesn't hit it like a Joel Embiid would. So it's just not an efficient shot to take. I don't know. I'm I'm way off him. And, and like he'll be really intense after one good play. Like he gets a rebound and gets a dunk, and then it's like, okay, AD's alive, finally. Yeah, for he's, his height, his height, and it, what is it, six ten seven whatever. He, he had another bad shooting game yesterday. But, but wouldn't you agree, though, when Jokic got the back-to-back -back offensive calls, uh, offensive charges, man, he had five. One morning, he's gone. Go after him. I don't care if he blocks the next six shots. If you can get him fouled out with two, three, three and a half minutes to go, even if you have to take it from him for a couple minutes, you're going to win the ball game. Yeah. I'm sure LeBron was thinking that, but the rest of his team just is a little um, all over the place. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, by the way, we, uh, another bird has lost its life in the game of baseball. We need to figure out what's going on there. I mean, one time coincidence, once or twice, uh, but uh, is Peter looking into this? I don't know. Baseball. We'll tell you about it Just later. Just another reason to yeah. hate the game. Maybe hating on birds. Stay with us. The opening. Down one, two here, and he golfs one down the line. If it's
Ferrets, Ferrets got a chance. It is a fair ball and a three-run home run. Freddie Freeman and his return to Atlanta has put the Dodgers in front. Down one, two here. 6.33, thanks for hanging with us on this Tuesday morning. The opening kickoff, Mark and Lee, right here on the sports station WNSP. I know it's a little too late, but boy, do I miss Freddie Freeman in that Braves lineup. Can you imagine him hitting second behind Acuna and sitting well over 300, um, like about 90 points higher than his replacement at first, but he's in a Dodge uniform and he had the big hit yesterday and the uh, Dodgers won the game one with the Braves uh, eight to six. All right, let's talk some football now uh, with one of the newcomers uh, coaching. That'd be Justin Hannon. He is the new coach at Murphy. We had him on when he uh, took over and now he's just finished his spring practice. Justin, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Wonderful. Well, fill us in. How did your first uh, spring practice go? And and, and concluded, I think, Saturday. Tell us how that went. Um, Spring practice went good. Um, It was good to kind of see actually what I'm working with. Um, It was glad to see some of the young kids uh, get out, kind of see what they do. Um, A lot of returning starters, offensive and defensively. I was able to kind of get a, a good evaluation on you know, who's fast, who's strong, who's skilled, who's just naturally athletic. Um, this past Saturday, we went over to Greene County and um, had a little competition, and, you know, we both got after it, and uh, we were able to see, you know, who can play under the lights. So let me ask you this. What kind of a turnout do you have manpower-wise on the roster? How many are on the team now? Um, Consistently... Well, we, we marched out 62. I, and is there hope that once you come into the fall that more will come out, that you'll have a, a bigger squad to choose from? Well, um, I believe so. Um, a lot of kids, a lot of kids, a lot of people are kind of counting us out right now. They think that this is going to be another down year. They think, you know, whatever they think, you know, but it's definitely a new day at Murphy. Uh, the kids are responding. The kids were able to see that, hey, if we make this block, this could be a touchdown. Hey, if we just, you know, line up correctly, the, in the, the play hits exactly where we're supposed to be. And for them to now see what I'm coaching or see what we're trying to implement here at Murphy, now they actually see for themselves that, hey, we may have something. So how do you feel now being head coach? This is your first head coaching job in high school. You know what that old narrative is, you know, that you've never called a timeout. Well, now you're calling timeouts. You're on the sideline. How does it feel? And, and do you, have you kind of fit in pretty well with this uh, new assignment? Oh, it's, it's, it's not, it's no pressure at all. You know, I believe that I was called to do this. Um, I was born to do this. And it's really you know, it's all coming together, you know, just one day at a time, one practice at a time, one play at a time. Hey, I, I just want to check. You're playing your home games at LAD. Am I correct on that or no? Yes, sir. Okay, so all the home games you have are at LAD. You're in a very tough 6A. Uh, who's, anybody that stood out, anybody that's going to have, a, let's say, a recruiters coming down here to look at this year on that Murphy team? Um, I'm still searching to see, you know, who's going to, who's going to, you know, step up and make those plays when it matters. Um, we have a lot of different guys that 
that can play. We have a lot of different guys that can, you know, block, get to the ball. But, you know, I think we'll, I want to see – I want to see who can do what, you know, on Friday nights. So, Justin, uh, what's the game plan now moving forward into the fall? Are you going to have this team in a lot of seven-on-sevens or just what do you have planned? Well, we plan just to kind of get in shape, um, stay, get, get in shape, get stronger, get faster, build some IQ. Um, I want to teach student-athletes. I want to teach student-athletes and teach them the game of football. A lot of kids in Mobile, they've been coached, but they haven't been taught. And that is a, that is a significant difference. Um, a lot of kids have raw talent, but they're going in the wrong direction because they haven't been taught. The principle behind, you know, a sprint out, the principle behind, you know, cover three, you know, just because you have cover three doesn't mean you just cover grass. You know, I want to actually teach my players how to play football. The difference between teaching teaching players versus coaching players. Coach, we appreciate you spending a couple of minutes with us this morning. Uh, best of luck moving forward, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Thank you so much. Panther Pride. That's uh, Murphy coach Justin Hannah. We appreciate him coming aboard. Uh, speaking of some football, uh, there's a former Auburn guy out there on the move again. Do you guys remember the name Joey Gatewood? course you do he played for the tigers in 2018 2019 well he's committed to louisville to play tight end it is now his let me do the math fourth fourth school can we please for the love of college football stop transferring can we put a cap on this he has gone from Auburn, and it's not its not Joey. I'm not, I don't mean to make him the poster child, for, but this is just out of hand. We've been, aren't we tired of seeing guys go to multiple places for no other reason than, man, they're just not getting their way? He played at Auburn. He played at Kentucky. He spent two years at Central Florida. Now he's at Louisville. Stop the madness. It's ridiculous. And it's, look, and it's not all, it's not all players' fault. Coaches have to be held responsible for some of this, too. Uh, Narduzzi, what's his name over at Pitt? He went after Deion Sanders was this week about how this is not what the transfer portal is supposed to be about. More than 70 guys have left the Colorado program since the end of last year, 50 since Deion Sanders has been in there, and his whole point is this is not what the transfer portal was meant to be. You're not supposed to flip your roster. You're not supposed to send everybody off and create your own roster. These are your guys when you take the job. Now, Deion's not doing anything illegal. He's certainly just taking advantage of the, uh, of the rules. He's following rules. He's not doing anything wrong. But someone's got to get a grasp on all this. This is nuts. It's absolutely insane, right? We often used to talk, well, you know, give him a year because he's got to get his own guys in. No, dude, you need like one spring practice to get your own guys in now. Not recruiting classes. You can just you can just start you can just start sending guys off and bringing your own guys in. Well, speaking of that, Auburn added a twenty-first transfer. They're right behind Colorado. Uh, they got a defensive back from New Mexico State. Obviously, with Dion, when you take over a program at 1-11, you're going to make changes, and you want to win quickly. 
And until they change the rule, which the only way they're going to do that is to tell people that if you're going to transfer, you have to sit out a year. And that's the only way it's going to change because then you'll have second thoughts. Well, do I really want to sit out a year and waste that year? I want to get to the pros. So that that's the only way I see it right now. Uh, I just uh, and maybe we can talk to the commissioner of the Sun Belt later on and get his take on this because there have been a lot of Sun Belt players on the move. Also, in fact, even Alabama uh, brought in a uh, Louisiana uh, defensive back. But we used to used to here we go. We used to bring coaches in to coach the kids that were there. Now coaches are simply recruiters. They've always been recruiters, but now it's who's got more so than ever, more than ever. It's like let me just go get the best players I can find. It's not let me coach these guys up that 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 maybe weren't getting the coaching or the system they needed to succeed. You know, we bring guys in to win, but we we used to bring them in to coach the guys up. Now it's just like, you know what? Eh, he's not very good. Well, you said, you know, you hire a new head coach, and you say, look, why don't we're going to wait a year, then he'll get his own guys in, then he'll right. start being competitive. Is Through the recruiting process. Is there anything wrong with making that all happen sooner? No, but what that used to mean was, and that and that's what I said. I mean, no one's breaking any rules. No one's doing right. anything illegal. All I'm saying is, it used to be, here's your group. Wait till he gets his guys in with the guys he's recruiting through high school. Now what we're doing is we're just like, screw it, get rid of these guys. I'm gonna go find a whole another batch of guys. Right? But is that is that necessarily worse? No, you, like look at Auburn. No, because he's keeping the guys that, yeah. are, that are that are that are still in the program, and it's not his fault. It's not Dion's fault. It's it's the it's the problem we've created as fans, as a society. Right, we're in this instant gratification deal where there's millions of dollars on the line. If he doesn't win right away, or I use Dion, but anybody doesn't win right away, he's out. So he's going to do whatever he can to secure his bag. So he's going to go get the best players. Look at Auburn. What was one of their major issues has been uh, lack of recruiting good offensive linemen. So when Hugh Freeze comes in, he knows what it takes to win in the SEC. He sees they don't have SEC-type linemen. So he that's that was the first area he hit. Bring in as many offensive linemen because you're only going to win in the trenches. And, and and whereas I agree with you that the system has really gotten out of hand with players going to four schools, three schools, whatever, still, since the rules are there, and if that's the best way to try to expedite winning, because let's face it, if you don't, you're going to be looking for a new job. So I, I can't blame the coaches for doing that. If they don't feel they've got co kids that can go out there and win for them, and in Dion's case, you took over a team with uh, a 1-11 record, you can imagine the, the mindset of that team as far as uh, you know, winning and losing. So I don't blame them. I think it's, uh, you know, I don't like it. Just like there's a lot of things going on, like with NIL, that I don't necessarily agree with, but those are the rules, so they go ahead and do it. Let's just set a cap on the transfers at two. <laughs> Every problem is solved. I like it. I like it. You get two transfers. Yep. And I think that's probably one too many, quite frankly, but I'm willing to meet you halfway. If, if, if kids are transferring four times and I want one, I'll meet you halfway. Let's do two. That's because if it. you transfer once, you're already at two schools. So now we're saying we're going to give you three schools to go to. That's Find just one. Undergraduates or graduates? See, graduates have freedom, more freedom than the undergraduates. Yeah, do. I, I think I, I, 
I don't. I think three schools. Period is plenty. I think two schools uh, is if plenty. If you couldn't make it work at three schools, then maybe the problem. Maybe you need to do some soul searching. Yeah, and I maybe mean, it's you. You know, in baseball, if you get one out of three right, you're considered an all star, right? So, same should be hold true in football. One out of three. If you you get three chances, three strikes. See, come on. Speaking of uh, Lee, push that to the commissioner for me. Yeah, see if we can make that happen. When you go to this S- the SEC meetings in Destin, go ahead and uh, drop that little little nugget of uh, yeah. knowledge to him. And but start by saying, moves. "Excuse me, Mr. Commissioner, I think I have the answer to all your problems, to college football's problems." Start that way. I think it'll be. Oh, I think it'll be well received. Appreciate the uh, suggestion. Just a little advice. I mean, you've done this once or twice, so probably. Probably uh, probably have your own way of, of, of formulating that question, but I just want to throw it out there. Um, we uh, also, you brought up about the bird in baseball, the poor little birdie got hit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what happened there was this happened during the game last night between Cleveland and the White Sox, and Will Brennan, a rookie, uh, was at the plate, and he had a ground ball, kind of a low-line drive hard towards the uh, left side of the diamond, and a little birdie got hit and obviously was killed. Brennan reached first, was very upset about it, so he sent a post to PETA and others apologizing for hitting the ball that struck the bird. This is the second time a bird has been killed on the baseball diamond like this year, the second time in the last two weeks. Yep, it's a bird epidemic, ladies and gentlemen. And don't apologize. You didn't, you didn't do anything that, was, that, that needed an apology. Tell the bird to get out of the damn park. Go to the rafters. Don't be on the field. We can't go on the field. Watch the bird go on the field. Dumb bird. Let's take a phone call. 694-1055. Welcome to the opening kickoff. Go ahead, caller. What's up, Mark? You got Elvis here, man. Elvis, what's shaking, Bacon? Hey. Well, it's fine. It always comes back to baseball for you, doesn't it? I mean, this is a big draw, turning around, all your stories. It's my passion. Baseball. I knew you were yep. I knew you were a closet baseball fan. I am. Yep, it's hey, a passion. The, uh, the transfer thing. I would say one thing about it is it's just symptomatic of our whole culture, man. Sure. I mean, it started with the microwave, microwave and the clicker back in my youth, and uh, now we're down to you know you got to say what you got to say in 220 characters or whatever Twitter is, and players and coaches are no different, man. A coach doesn't want to wait two years to coach his guys up; he wants to win right now. Right. The players don't want to work hard; they don't want to work hard and and maybe get a spot next year. They want to play right now. But the bigger thing to me is, what do you care? Who cares? I mean, I, I don't care. I go to 10 schools. I don't care. I don't know the guy. I never met him. I don't care. Go to as many schools as you want. It doesn't matter to me. Wow. Thank you, Elvis. And I would say this to your point. Uh, coaches want to win now. They have to win now because if they don't win, they're gone. Right? It used to be we gave guys three, four years no, you got to win now, man. They're buying you out before you can, uh, before you before you have a chance to bring in your recruiting classes. We'll come back. We'll wrap up hour number two. David Green's going to join us. Travis Ryer at the uh, top of the hour as well. Uh, Keith Gill, the Sun Belt Commissioner, top of hour number three. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hi, I'm former Major League Baseball player Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5. Love every minute of it.
one here on a uh, Tuesday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. Let's check in with David Green of the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. David, congratulations. Big day today in your household with the anniversary. Good morning. Good morning. I, I think some of the music bled over. I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. No, I was just saying congratulations. A big day in the uh, Green household today, your anniversary. Well, that's right. 31 years with a wonderful, wonderful bride, and I'm so thankful for her and our, our, our family. But, uh, yeah, 31 years today. <laughs> hey, uh, let's. I wanted to clarify because I know we talked about this last week, and even I wasn't as well-educated as I should be as far as, like, I've been involved I don't know, three, four fender benders. Now, at what point do I need to contact your law firm? If I have, like, somebody hits me and it's like a dent, but I'm not hurt or anything like that, is that something you're you're interested in taking care of or being involved with? Well, I think the most important thing is to make sure you're taking care of yourself and any type of claim. Um, you know, uh, I, I recall deposing a local doctor one time about an accident where there was very little damage to, to either vehicle. And I asked this particular doctor, I said, would this impact with very little damage to the cars have been enough to cause the injury in question? Well, the injury in question was actually a back fusion. And so actually surgery, you know, surgery and a pretty major situation. And so the defense was you know, claiming that it didn't happen. And so she said, well, you know, she said, I had a, a very good friend of mine where uh, there was an impact uh, between two cars and no damage, and the person is now has a paralysis, basically paralyzed from the waist down. So injuries can happen uh, where there's little damage or no damage. If there's impact, you need to seek a doctor's opinion. Insurance companies nor lawyers have the ability to make the decision as to whether or not you're injured. You need, and really yourself, you need to make sure you get checked by a doctor. Uh, these folks are trained professionals. They know what to look for. And we've seen time and time again where folks have had major injuries where there have been very little damage. So just important to be checked out, um, you know, and, and make sure that uh, you're treated fairly by the insurance company. And more importantly, to make sure you're okay. So basically, no matter how big or how small an accident may appear to be, it's wise to get in touch with an attorney? You absolutely need to talk to someone local. Talk to a local law firm. They can guide you. Certain circumstances, you're not going to need anybody. But a lot of times you really do. If you've got an insurance company on the other side, uh, they try to make decisions medically for you, and that's not really what needs to happen. You need to make sure that you take care of yourself. But the guidance of a local personal injury lawyer can really make the difference in a case. Um, you know, we've had over and over many, many times we had folks with little damage with major injuries, and they just didn't know it. And so the big problem in Alabama, it, it, as it can be in any state, you only have two years uh, that, that you can actually make a claim. And so you need to talk to someone soon so a case can be put together or an evaluation can be done. But if you miss that two-year statute and you wake up, you know, one morning and you're your hand is numb or something is going on, you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, gosh, have you had any trauma? And you think back, yeah, I had that wreck. I had you know, a few thousand dollars in damage to my vehicle or even just a little bit of damage to my vehicle. And the doctor says, you know, that very likely could have caused the problem you have. You need to get checked by a local doctor. Mr. Green, sir, how can people get in touch with you or one of your colleagues if they have any questions? It's very simple. GreenPhillips.com very easy to reach. Uh, stop by, or you stop by 51 North Florida Street right here in Midtown Mobile, uh, or the Forbes Building in downtown Birmingham. Go see Cody and Ben up there. Hey, have a great week. Congratulations. Happy anniversary, sir. Enjoy the day. 
Thank you, guys. God bless. Take care. That's uh, David Green, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up, Travis Ryer uh, at uh, 7 o'clock. Chad Applin, the new Spanish Fort basketball coach. He, uh, he is leaving faith for uh, the Eastern Shore. Uh, he takes Jimbo Tolbert's spot, who took the Gulf Shores job. We'll get the latest on all of that. Keith Gill at eight o'clock, the South, uh, or excuse me, the Sun Belt Conference uh, commissioner at eight o'clock. Orlando Alzagari scheduled on us at eight thirty. And hour number three, we'll have a little Chick Fil A for you as well. When you get Keith on, you may make your suggestion about no more than was it one or two transfers. Yeah. There's also a bill, and, and it's just coincidental that. I lined him up, but now it's being reported there is a bill that the House of Reps are going to look at regarding NIL. I don't know the total details about it, but it seeks relief for colleges and universities. So You know, one of the other issues, too, and we've talked about this for years and we'll continue to talk about it. I don't know what the answer is because someone made a great point, which is one that we've made in the past. That always gets brought back into the conversation. We sit here and we talk about the number of times we have to limit kids from transferring. But coaches are the ones that really started all this by breaking contracts and running from school to school. And, you know, if a school gets in trouble NCAA-wise, not that that happens anymore, then the coach is off and he leaves the mess for somebody else. So I, I get it. I mean, there's no easy solution. You know, we half joke, we're half serious about the number of transfers, but... Coaches and adults are just to, as much to blame for all of this as, as anyone. I, I, I fully I, – I agree with you. So the narrative has always been if the coach can do it, why can't the players? Right, right. And I'm, I'm with you on that. I, you're right. Coaches, uh, they go to a school, they, they got a great season, and all of a sudden they're being uh, recruited by other schools to go, and they leave you behind. They recruited you. They say goodbye. We'll see you later. I'm going to another school. All right. Uh, coming up. Travis Ryer will talk some Alabama. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. Uh, give us your take on the Lakers being swept. Also, by the way, have you had a chance to see White Men Can't Jump, the remake? We saw, we talked about it yesterday. Uh, I'll save you the time. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Such a disappointment. To ruin an institution such as White Men Can't Jump with that garbage. Hour number two is next. Stay with us. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 7.04, hour number two. Thanks for hanging with us on this Tuesday. Mark Lee, Triple G, right here in the studios of WNSP. The headlines, number one, Denver. Four-game sweep of the Lakers. A two-point win yesterday. Uh, Jokic, the MVP. This will be the first time Denver ever goes to the NBA Finals. The third time that a LeBron James team has been swept in a best four out of seven playoff series. Uh, we'll talk some uh, Alabama sports uh, with Travis Ryer, 24-7, Bama Online. Travis, welcome to our opening kickoff. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? Wonderful. You're going to be uh, attending the, uh, Alabama's baseball games at Hoover? I am not. I'm going to be taking those in from a remote location, Lee. Very good. Ooh, so am I. Sneaky. So am I. Let me ask you, uh, D1 baseball, 
uh, projects that the SEC will have seven teams hosting, including Alabama. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Do you think they have a really good shot at hosting a regional? The numbers point to them having a great shot. And I know looking at some of those same projections from the outlets uh, like D1 Baseball and others, the, the sentiment is that they're in good shape heading into today's game against Kentucky uh, to have hosting honors, which is absolutely incredible when you consider where this program was six or seven weeks ago and starting with the lawsuit that was filed against former coach Brad Bohannon and uh, some other individuals and then, uh, of course, the, the gambling scandal and implicating uh, Brad Bohannon in that regard. Uh, to do what they have done over this last month of a, and a half is really unlike anything we've seen in Alabama baseball history, maybe when you talk about college baseball history in general. You know, we look at the uh, Alabama's playing Kentucky later on this afternoon. This is a, a one, one and done, but then it becomes a uh, two-game elimination. Uh, does Alabama, are they deep in pitching? Because we've, we've known over the years the, these tournaments, these post-conference tournaments can just drain your team if you go into third or fourth game or something like that or have to come through the loser's bracket. How does Alabama stack up? You know, they've had some injuries, actually, and they've had some guys really step forward. Luke Holman has been really good. Their weekend guys have, have some guys have stepped forward to, to join that mix and pitch extremely well down the stretch. Jacob McNary, Garrett McMillan. Um, you know, but this, this Tuesday setup, even though they played a Thursday-Friday series uh, against Ole Miss coming into this, uh, they're still in sort of a midweek reliever start situation with Hunter Furtado expected to go, the left-hander, the junior left-hander uh, against Kentucky today. Now, if they can win today, I think they can get back around to their weekend guys, you know, as they would go into double elimination, and that's what makes for a really intriguing scenario with these games today. You're trying to get to that double elimination portion of the tournament, and so yeah, if they can do that, I, I don't know if they're deep enough to to go into the loser's bracket if they make it to double elimination uh, quickly in that regard and then win out throughout. But uh, I'll tell you what, offensively, they, they've come around. And, um, you know, they've got some veteran stars that have stepped forward and, and seemed to find it at the right time. Drew Williamson, Andrew Pinckney, uh, really solid up the middle defensively with shortstop Jim Jarvis. So, you know, as a team, I think they're complete enough and they're playing well enough right now to get it done. But I think pitching depth is always a question for just about any team not named maybe Vanderbilt or LSU or, or Florida. Strictly opinion, of course, uh, Travis. The Alabama softball team hosting a Super Regional against Northwestern. Can they win this if Montana, Montana Fouts can't play? Yeah, I thought it would be extremely difficult for them to get out of even the regional round without Montana, and they managed to do that because Jayla Torrance was absolutely heroic, uh, especially there in the in the championship game and the if necessary game to to shut out um, you know Middle Tennessee over the weekend. So uh, it's it's tough to imagine them being able to do that. But uh, again, Torrance has to be pitching with a lot of confidence right now. Uh, but obviously, um, you know, I don't think they can have another situation like they had on Sunday where they score two runs in two games and, and still get a split out of that situation and they're able to advance. So 
uh, I would think it's it's um, obviously critical to, to have Montana in the circle, but if they don't, uh, they're going to have to get more offensively than they got uh, on Sunday. I mean, it was great that Ali Shipman came through in the clutch uh, in, in that game uh, on Sunday to, to push Alabama into the supers, but uh, you're going to have to you're going to have to be better offensively, I think, if that's the case. Charles Bediaco says he's staying in the NBA draft. Uh, the deadline for staying or leaving the draft and coming back to school is May 31st. I'm curious uh, if you could speculate on what this Alabama team is starting to look like for next year because you, they lost three assistant coaches. They had, I think, six players enter the draft. Doesn't mean they're all going to stay. And, of course, you had a couple of transfers. And is, is this team going to look anything next year like it did this year? Yeah, it's looking like a donut right now, a big hole in the middle with uh, Betty Ako and, and Noah Clowney, um, you know, moving on apparently to the NBA. So, you know, it puts more of an emphasis on Nick Pringle coming back at He's more of a four, um, you know, an impressive physically four, uh, but they are going to have to do some some late shopping or looking around to find some bigs. I mean, you got to be able to practice first and foremost, and that's where you got to have some bigs. And um, you know, Pringle is capable. Uh, he he can protect the rim in some ways, probably not to the extent that Charles could with that enormous wingspan. Uh, but you worry about fouls, too, uh, because bigs tend to play uh, a little bit in flat foul trouble, and, and Nick had some of that in, in limited opportunities last season. So you got, you got to go out and find 10 fouls from somewhere, a couple bigs that can give you that. And, you know, sometimes when you have a situation like this, it encourages players elsewhere to to enter the portal or make the move. So, um, it, it's a it's a major loss. I don't think there's any doubt about it. But I also kind of look at it like um, if Alabama's losing a guy like Betty Ako, it could be that a, a team elsewhere is is maybe going to lose a big to Alabama. He's Travis Ryer. I've I've figured out you didn't want anybody to know, but I figured out why you won't be on hand to watch baseball. I got it. And and just blink if I'm right. You don't have to tell anybody. But Bama Rush drops today. Are you watching it? <laughs> No, I got a first-hand account of that a couple of years ago with our youngest, so I'm good on that probably. I mean, it, unless the wife just is like intent on on watching it, um, you know, there's uh, it, the, 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 there's already been a screening of that whole experience here a couple of years ago, and so uh, I know there will be a lot of interest in it. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to hear the feedback from other areas of the country because. I was just out at the University of Nevada in the last few days out in Reno. Our oldest daughter got her master's out there. And you go you go down the Greek row, I guess as they call it, a place like the University of Nevada, and it's, it is nothing like Tuscaloosa, yeah. I can promise you that. Well, perhaps if I watch it, I will find a cameo by the Ryers in uh, in Bama Rush. Uh, there's only one way to find out. I, you know, we got to do the dirty work here at WNSP to get the best stories. Travis, uh, appreciate the time. How can people continue to follow your coverage of all things Alabama Sands, Bama Rush, of course? Just go to BamaOnline.com or Alabama.247Sports.com. Either way, will get you done. Hey, man, have a great uh, have a great week. Thanks for the time. Thanks, guys. What channel? It's on HBO, which oh. is now Max. Yeah, I don't have or, that. Or who's watching? Who's who's watching Bama Rush? Be honest.
Be honest. Who's watching Bama Rush? I'm out. I don't have it. I'm just, I'm curious. Can't be any worse than White Man Can't Jump. Well, it's going to be different. That's for sure. It's going to, uh, I'm curious to see just kind of what, how, how, what's, what's the slant? What's the, there's going to be drama. There's going to be talk about the machine. I might have to do my due diligence for the sake of our show. Do you have it? to Alabama, right? I did. Do you have any firsthand experience of this? I did not. I did not. I had friends who who uh, who rushed until it was time to pony up some money, and then they decided that uh, it wasn't for them. Uh, I've heard stories, uh, but no, I'm I'm curious. I will say that I'm curious. So no one's with me. No one's gonna. No one's gonna hop on the HBO well, or the I Max as it's known. I don't have I don't it. Know. I don't have it. If I did, I might. If I don't have HBO, I w- look. I went Mark, through let it him too. Borrow your password. I, I, had, fi- I figured to sign up in WNSP or reimburse had, you for work-related issues. I had daughters who rushed and did all that, so I we went through it. Where? At South South Alabama. I'm thinking it's a little bit different in Tuscaloosa. It's a little more hardcore, and that's not that's that's not a negative on uh, my son on when South. he was at Auburn called me as in his freshman year and said dad i want this fraternity wants me i said good and <laughs> he said uh he said can you lend me six hundred dollars and i said no i said if you want to join come up with the money yourself five years later fast forward he said dad you made a nice decision there was no need for me to rush i went to all the parties anyway yeah nice good for you so he actually praised me I remember one time I was an early recruit for a uh, fraternity. I was recruited when I was 16 years old. What? <laughs> you were like a four-star coming I was like up. The Le- <laughs> no, I was like the LeBron James. They were like, yo, whenever you're eligible, <laughs> we're ready. The future. <laughs> yeah. Dude, recruit getting recruited at 16. Did that work out for you? or? Uh, no, I took my talents elsewhere. Yeah. You know, you got to do what's best for you. That's right. Could you imagine? Plus, I worked in a sorority. You already know that. So I, I saw what that was like, too. So yeah. Didn't last Sneaky. long. Didn't last long. Sneaky. I got tossed. Lee getting, uh, Lee getting fired from his job. It was probably, it, it was a good experience for it you. It was. Okay. What happens when you're watching Rush and they talk about like the history of sororities and then they, there's like a clip of Lee <laughs> like from back in the day. In handcuffs being escorted out of the sorority yeah. house with his little apron still on. Yeah. Old footage. All right. Let's do this. Uh, scoreboard traffic and weather. We'll catch up with um, Dave McCrary, LC Motorcars, LCMotorcars.com. Chad Applin at 730, by the way. Uh, Chad is now the new basketball coach at Spanish Fort. We'll hear all about it after years at Faith Academy. Keith Gill at 8 o'clock. Stay with us. Plenty going on here. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hey, this is Amari Cooper. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP. Kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. 
David McCrary of LCM Motorcars, lcmmotorcars.com, joins us here on WNSP. And if you want to look good driving down the street, David, it sounds like you got something uh, that everybody's going to take a look at. We do. We got a couple now, Mark. We got um, just bought a 17 Mustang, uh, two-door coupe. It's black, black interior, automatic, um, nice car. It's got good wheels on it. It is a six-cylinder, so it's going to get good gas mileage, and it's a um, great graduation car if anybody's still looking. Uh, we also got a 17 RX350 Lexus, um, and this was my next-door neighbor's car. So it is, I mean, it's like brand new, and those are really, really hard to find right now. Did, did you la- let him know you were taking it? or? <laughs> <laughs> we actually sold him a 2022 Grand Cherokee um, to pull behind their motorhome, so we traded it in the other day. It's a really nice truck. So, as always, plenty of inventory on the lot, and as you mentioned, uh, graduations are, are happening as we speak. It's a, it's a great time to go out and get a car. Yeah, we've got a lot of good graduation cars, um, stuff that can get kids all the way through college, not just last them a year. I mean, we've got some stuff that will last them, you know, for a long time, so they should need to come out and see us and see if we can help them. All right, when's a good time to come see, and where are you located? We're open 8 to 6, Monday through Friday, 9 to 2 on Saturday. Uh, you can give us a call at 251-375-0068. Go to the website, lcmmotorcars.com, or um, just come see us at Highway 90 Plantation in Theodore. It's one mile south of 10, exit 15A. Hey, have a great day, man. We appreciate it. We'll be in touch. Have a good day. Yeah, my, my guess is both those cars will not. At least one of them will be gone by the time we talk to them next time. Or before the show is over with. Perhaps, perhaps Mustang, Lexus. Man, they got a little something. Everybody over there, go go check them out. Perfect time. They'll even throw in the bow. They've told me if you do it for a graduation gift or a Christmas, they'll, they'll throw in a big bow. How about that? Very generous of them. I thought so. Uh, all right, so you guys can jump in at six nine four one zero five five. We spent a lot of hour number one talking about the Lakers and the Nuggets and. I really thought the Lakers blew an opportunity to get a game there with Jokic getting the back-to-back on back-to-back possessions got called for offense fouls and they were they were pretty legit offensive fouls actually uh, he had five fouls and they just could not how much time was left when he got his fifth I was trying to remember there was because- about four or five minutes left because uh because we actually had a conversation about you, you can't take him out at this point. You got to just ride with him. So I think there was about five minutes left in that game, uh, and you could tell that there was he was not contesting anything at that point. But they just and they went after him like for about two possessions, and then they just stopped going at him. But see, they also have other rim protectors in there. Michael Porter can certainly leap through the building. Aaron Gordon, say what you want about him, but this guy again, I think he once won a dunk contest. I mean, he can get up there. Yeah. So it's not. I don't know if he's ever won though. Didn't he? He should have. The most controversial guy to never win a dunk. Oh, is that right? Yeah. But these guys can, they're rim protectors. I mean, they can get up there and block shots. Yeah, but but you foul him out, not not because of his defense. No, but I'm No, you missed my point, though, that, you know, even if Jokic left, they're still okay inside. You know what I'm saying? No, my point is the whole offense runs through Jokic, so foul him out, and they've got no chance of winning that ball And I would also argue, yes, they're tall and can jump, but I wouldn't say they're rim protectors. Well, they blocked shots. They were blocking shots. They were blocking LeBron shots yesterday in the part of the game I was seeing, even in the first half. So, I mean, if Jokic had to come out, it's not like they're totally decimated inside. Well, defensively, maybe not, but offensively, they're crippled. Yeah, they fall off a cliff. 
That that's my point. That's why you go at him. You don't go at him because you want him out of the game defensively. You want him out of the game because he, uh, because it would absolutely decimate their offense because everything runs through him and rightfully so. I mean, what did Nikola Nikola Jokic sit maybe like two or three minutes last night? I, think I don't really played. remember a time when he wasn't in there. I know he played the last thirty three minutes of the game. I don't know. I I don't know how much he sat out in the first half. There was a point I think. When he went out, he, he kind of gets off to slow starts, but he comes on strong at the end because in the beginning of the game, when the Lakers took over, he wasn't really much of a factor, but obviously he did play very, very well in the second half. And there were times where LeBron attacked, and I thought that was when he was at his best. But when he was settling for perimeter stuff, man, you're to me, you're playing right into what Denver wants you to do. Like, yeah, let you know, like LeBron, he's known for that. Uh, you know, they call it the Le FU3, right? Yeah. Where, like, he lulls you to sleep, he pulls it back, and he just rips your soul out of your chest. But it just wasn't—I mean, it was hit in the first, in the first quarter. He was 4-4 four four from three. But dude just is—I mean, look, he's a 40-year-old man out there playing 44 minutes in a game four of a basketball game where no one else is doing anything. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that three that—well, that— the two that they then wound up calling a three by Jokic, that was, that was an un, that was just a killer. Jokic is crazy, Lakers. man. That's what I'm telling y'all. That's what I'm trying to tell you people. Listen, guys. <laughs> this guy's already top 15 all time. We're gonna get T-shirts made of with with your face on it, and it's just gonna say, "Listen, people." <laughs> uh, Chad Applin is next. The uh, new uh, Spanish Fort basketball coach. Uh, Keith Gill at 8 o'clock, Orlando Alzagari at 8.30. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff. Rolling along. the dagger man that they initially called it a two they then went back and reviewed it and gave him three and it was the right call but just an absolute dagger anthony davis had a hand in his face davis looked like he just kind of looked around like I, I don't know what else to do brutal just brutal if you're a lakers fan welcome back in the opening kickoff mark lee triple g we're ready to go all right uh chad applin a uh, longtime coach here in this area lately with faith but he's moving on and Chad, I want to welcome you to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing fine. Wonderful. So tell, take us through this, uh, the move from Faith Academy to Spanish Fort, your reasons, and how this all came about. Well, uh, I was actually uh, talking to Jim uh, Jimbo, the, the coach at Spanish Fort, before me at a golf tournament, and uh, he had told me that he was probably going down to Gulf Shores, so... Uh, you know, I just decided to reach out to Spanish Fort, and they got back with me. And uh, one thing led to another, and we had an interview, and um, you know, everything went really well. And so they, uh, you know, they they've asked me to be their coach, and I'm really excited about going there. What uh, what is it about Spanish Fort that intrigued you, Coach? 
Uh, well, I mean, just a lot of things. It's, um, you know, I think it's a, a community where you can develop a program starting on the lower levels and build it all the way up. Um, it's got the same type of feel that uh, you see a lot of the schools in in Birmingham have that have a lot of success in basketball. Um, you know, just incorporating the the uh, the middle school to to our program and um, and just trying to build something that uh, that is you know just just a championship caliber program hopefully uh, in the near future um but it's just a great community as well and i've got family that live on that side of the bay as well so uh, there was a lot of different factors i prayed about it and uh you know to be honest with you uh everything kept pointing me in that direction so that's what where i felt i needed to go are you familiar with their program as far as returning players well we had our uh we had our tryouts yesterday as a matter of fact our first tryout so yesterday was my first day getting over there meeting the players and uh seeing a bunch of new players that are coming out for the first time and uh, i was thoroughly impressed with you know just the quality of the the young men in the program already and how hard they played and uh you know i think there's definitely a lot of pieces there that uh you know can be used to to get off to a good start this year Chad, I want to uh, go in a different direction. You've been, you played in this area. You uh, coached in this area. You played college ball here, and we often talk about when we get to the state tournament how the teams up north kind of dominate when it comes to blue maps and things like that. And I don't know if we've talked to you about it. Do you ever see us getting down here closer in competition when it comes to championships with the schools up north? And if so, how what will it take? Can we ever do it? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, there's a lot of factors that that go into it that probably I don't see, or you know, a lot of people don't really see. But um, I do think the overall talent in the Mobile Baldwin County area is getting better, and the the teams are getting better. Um, you know, I think Birmingham is is you know definitely has a, a basketball culture about it that is that is really good. So the kids in in Birmingham Huntsville area are getting uh, really good coaching at a at a young level, and I think that's where it starts. Um, but you know, I, I would like to see teams from Mobile be successful and, and win state championships. And so you know, hopefully we're going to try to make ourselves part of that uh, part of that group that's in the mix of making deep runs in the in the in the state tournament so um but i mean there's a long way to go and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves right now we just need to focus on getting better and working hard chad applin's our guest here on wnsp uh what i guess that you look back at your time at faith what what will you remember most I had a wonderful time at Faith. Uh, you know, from all of my players who I thoroughly enjoyed coaching to the the student body as a whole, um, I was able to teach all different levels, grade levels, and uh, they just received me and were just wonderful to me. The administration has been great. Um, you know, Faith is in a really good spot with their new coach, and they have a tremendous amount of young talent coming up as well. Um, so I feel like they're going to be a force to be reckoned with for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future. So it did make it difficult to leave. Um, but, 
you know, like I said, I just felt it was the right direction for me to go. So I'm going to miss it tremendously, and I do thank them for the opportunity to allow me to be their head coach. Are they on your schedule? Are they on the Spanish Ford schedule for next season, next fall? No, I haven't gotten the schedule yet, but uh, since I made fate schedule, uh, uh, we were not <laughs> on the schedule. So oh, I uh, see. tried to get a hold of Kimbo. I couldn't get a hold of him, but uh, anyways, maybe down the road somewhere. So you've already already started uh, practice, I guess. I wanted to get your take on this, too. We When we come out and do our shows, we often talk to, let's say, coach slash athletic director about kids playing more than one sport. Uh, you know, the basketball culture is one thing, and usually that's because kids spend so much time on one sport. How do you feel about it, though? Would you rather have some of your the kids in your program doing other sports at school? Yeah, I think that was a, one of the reasons that uh, Spanish Fort, you know, uh, hired me, to be totally honest with you, is that, you know, I am a believer in kids playing multiple sports. Um, and, you know, Coach Smith is uh, the, the athletic director. He's also the football coach. And um, there were several kids that came out to try out yesterday that were football guys. So I had a lot of guys uh, while I was here at Faith Academy that played football and basketball. Um, you know, it's just – you just have to communicate, but it's it's really about the the, the kid. It's about what uh, you know they want to do, and so as a as an educator, basically, I'm here to try to help them achieve their their dreams and their goals and and you know their aspirations for you know whatever it is. Um, and uh, you know it's easy to get uh, you know focused on just you know your particular lane, but uh, you know you have to see the big picture as well and and uh, you know, so we're we're definitely uh, pushing kids to be multi-sport athletes if that's what they want to do. Have you ever coached a player who could shoot better than you? Oh yeah, I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> I was amazed yesterday just watching some of the guys, some of the tough shots they hit. Man, these the kids these days, I mean, they're just more skilled than we were. Um, you know, there's there's uh, it's it's just there's so many good players out there today, and it's. And, you know, basketball has just become a, a sport where, you know, people are shooting more threes than they ever have before. So, um, you know, we I, when I was growing up, I mean, you were always taught, you know, drive to the basket. And so uh, the philosophy of the game's changed a little bit. Three-point shots become much more of a, of a thing. So, um, yeah, no, no question. Yeah, could you have thrived more in this day and age in basketball than when you played with that three-point shot? Uh, you know, it's hard to tell. I, I mean, I don't know. I, every now and then I'll kind of wonder how it would do if I was playing in this time period. But, um, you know, man, it is what it is. I think the players are getting better and better. The coaching's getting better. Um, you know, the nutrition's getting better. But, I mean, I'm an old-school guy, so I, I do respect the players from my generation tremendously when I look at, you know, the Michael Jordans, the Larry Burrs, Magic Johnsons. I'm always going to take up for those guys over – just because of their toughness, and that was just the era that I grew up in watching, and I idolized those guys. So um, I do watch the current NBA, and I think it's getting better in terms of you know uh, the the physicality, and and uh, I think it was going a little bit in the wrong direction. They were letting too many things you know get get too loose. I mean, travelings were getting out of control. But I was watching the game last night, and I was actually really impressed with you know just the footwork and the way the guys were playing the game. I just wanted to be played the right way you know the way it's supposed to be played it's a beautiful game we don't need to 
make too many changes to twitch it up. Well, Coach, we appreciate you spending some time. And to be fair, I mean, you're you're not completely foreign to this six A area too. Uh, you, you played uh, you play McGill twice a year before going over to uh, Spanish Fort, so you'll see them. Uh, and then I guess it's Baldwin County and Robertsdale, right? Correct, correct. Uh, did, we did play Baldwin County last summer. We haven't played them during the regular season. I'm, I'm very uh, familiar with uh, Coach Davis at Robertsdale, and he does an outstanding job. So our area is going to be, you know, it's going to be extremely tough. I mean, McGill is, a, you know, pretty much the, I think, the perennial basketball power here in, in Mobile and Baldwin County. Uh, they, you know, make great runs every year. I have a tremendous amount of respect for for Philip and for his staff, and and uh, so you know we've got our work cut out for us. It's it's uh, you know it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean I, I love challenges. So um, you know we have a beautiful facility over there at Spanish Ford. It's absolutely yeah. gorgeous. The new gym. So hopefully we can pack it out and and uh, have some great games in the future. Well, I'll be there at least twice next season uh, rooting against you, sir. So uh, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, just it's just white noise. Just block it out. Whatever I say, it's just uh, it's all fun and games. Uh, that's right. It's just all, that's right. It's all part of it. I'm just glad your son, he's, he's gone, so I don't have to deal with him anymore. That'll be nice. There is another. I will say that. Oh, Coach. goodness. Yeah. Okay, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, that's good. So it'll be a nice heated rivalry. Yeah. Then. Hey, man, congratulations. Seriously, we wish you the best of luck, and thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you all. That's uh, that's Chad Applin, ladies and gentlemen, the new coach over at Spanish Fort. Uh, let me tell you guys, uh, if you're new to the area, if you're just listening for the first time, uh, first of all, welcome. But if you're within a year of uh, retirement, close to the age of 65, maybe you're 65 now and you're, you're kind of deciding what your future may hold, you need to talk to Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors. He's been in the Medicare business for 13 years. He's an independent guy, works with multiple carriers, and he's helped hundreds of people just like you. There's never a fee for uh, his services, okay? So call him, go see him, and let him inform you, educate you, help you navigate uh, the ways of Medicare Everybody's situation is going to be different. Whether you have health insurance now, you're looking to get rid of health insurance, maybe you have VA benefits, whatever the, the case may be. Uh, maybe you, you, you should have signed up but haven't yet. He had a guy that signed up late, and they, they kind of had to pay some fees there to get him all set up. And that's that's what he's there for, to help you. Go see him. His office is Highway 98 across from Terry Thompson Chevrolet. You can go see him, or he can come to you. Give him a call, 463-0031. That's 463-0031, Aiden Marks, Medicare Insurance Advisors. When we come back, what are you watching tonight? Eastern Conference Finals, Game 4, potential second day in a row that we get a sweep. What are you logging into HBO Max and watching Bama Rush? Be honest. Dodgers Braves. It's more of a rhetorical question for our listeners. I wasn't. I know. But, I know. I, but, I, but, plus the Eastern Conference Finals, if it stays close. I don't have the other show. So after. Okay. I don't have your show. My show. All right, coming up at 8, Keith Gill. Maybe we'll see if there's any reality TV shows in the works for the Sunbelt Conference. And what would he watch? Mm. I'm formulating a line of questioning right now. Should be good. Uh, Also, we'll have some Chick-fil-A for you in hour number three. We come back, we wrap up hour number two next, right here on the Sports Station WNSP. 
Hey there, this is Bob Baumauer, ex-jock, head fry cook, and I listen to 105.5 WNSP, Mobile, Alabama. It was a four-game series. Every game had winnable moments, yeah. and you guys certainly showed it. Um, when you reflect on it, what were the the margins, the edges that, that Denver ultimately uh, was um, successful with? Uh, it's just a, they, I think uh, me and AD were just talking in the locker room uh, for a little bit. I think we came to the consensus that, um, you know, if not one of the best, probably the best team that we've played since when we've been together for our four years. Um, they just well orchestrated, well the put together. best in his last four years. That's LeBron James. Yeah, and he's he's still got. I thought I saw where he's still got a year or two left on his contract because afterwards, he was asked. Well, he actually brought, kind of insinuated that, you know, he has to think about his future. And then he was asked by an individual about whether he's going to come back and play. And, and the narrative has always been that he wants to play through his son and 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 be with him. But and that's what caught my attention. Now, is he just trying to? Uh, send a message to the Lakers that, you know, if you want me, you better go and improve the team. There's always that. You know, you never know what's behind what a person is saying. I certainly expect him to be back to play Yeah, he's being a drama queen. Yeah, and I certainly think he'll play next year. And, uh, and if, if he's true to his word where he wanted to play with Bronny, then he'd have to play at least two more years. It, it has to be about him. So that's why he – I mean, I get – in generally, guys are always going to kind of be the middle of the road, especially after a loss. You know, no one, everybody wants to know what's next, but the guy sitting in that chair never wants to talk about what's next because he's still trying to absorb what just happened. I, I totally get that and I understand that, but LeBron's all about LeBron. So LeBron's sitting there and he's going to create as much drama uh, as he can in the short time that he can uh, to keep the spotlight on. But LeBron. are most NBA players drama queens? I think they are. Uh, a good portion, I'm sure. Sure, but LeBron takes it to a, a whole nother level. Look, you want me to tell you what LeBron's going to do? I know what he's going to do, but yeah, let's see what... Because if I you speak... I'm fluent in LeBronese. Okay. I thought it was Chinese that you took in college, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> never mind. There's a joke there somewhere. Yeah. All right, what is he going to do, Nick? If the Lakers don't get Kyrie Irving... And give LeBron someone that he can defer to. He will retire. And then when Bronny is drafted, he will unretire <laughs> and play one more final year with his son. Or how about this? With all the money he has, maybe he buys a team, becomes a part owner, and that way he can play here's, and draft Bronny. Here's the other thing. Do you think Bronny wants to play with LeBron? That's a good yeah. question. I don't think th I'm not sure he does. Why would you not want to play with the best player in NBA history? Because he casts a very long shadow. Yeah, You're trying to make your own way. Like why? Like everything. Like I know we joked once. Like, dude, you're gonna have to room with your dad on road trips, and like it's just gonna be like a drag. But in all seriousness, he's he's trying to start his own career. He's trying to be his own guy. Look. And the fact that LeBron is your dad. Is, is 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 hard enough, but the fact that LeBron's going to be sitting next to you in these press conferences in the locker room, like it's always going to be about that. It's never going to be about you developing your game and being an NBA player. Mark, you're a father, right? Sure, he is. 
You yeah. go to all your son's basketball games. You're very involved in everything he does, right? Sure. And I'm sure your son appreciates it, but I know that you know in the future he'll probably look back and appreciate it even more, right? All the sacrifices you make to be at his events and support him. Right. But I ain't trying to be on the court with him. LeBron is making that ultimate sacrifice. That's not a sacrifice. That's selfish. No. How why do, why do you say he's selfish? LeBron? Yeah. You're telling I've me always when considered Bronny's him. like, has, has Bronny, Bronny ever ages, said? He's not going to be like, wow, my dad, my dad sure was an ass for staying and playing with me that one year. No but, way. You don't want to learn and play with the – why do you think Bronny is where he's at now? Because LeBron is active and a part of his life. Yes, and it had, and he didn't have to be on the court playing with him to he do that. He doesn't have to, but isn't it amazing that he can be? But you see, that's exactly why he's doing it. When because he, people like you're like, oh, no, he's doing it because he that loves he his son. That? No, if he loves his son, no. he'll let him do his thing. You're tripping, man. You're telling me if you were an NBA player, the best of all time, and your son is coming up through the ranks, and you can make it work where you can, in your final year, you can play with your son in his first year, you wouldn't do it? But why are you doing it? Because he loves his son. I think he wants to go along for the ride. Who? I think LeBron. Or LeBron? No, LeBron. I don't we haven't heard Bronny speak on this topic at all, have we? Maybe no. we have. I hadn't heard. I've never heard. You use the word selfish. I've always considered LeBron, maybe we're talking in different terms, more the ultimate team player. I've never, ever heard him referred to as selfish on the floor. Is that what you're referring to or off the court? I think he's very team-oriented, uh, extremely so, even more so than he probably should be. Who who better to be your direct, close mentor your first year in the NBA than LeBron James, one of the smartest NBA players in NBA history, and he's also your father? What makes you think that he's going to share anything with Bronny then that he hasn't already shared now in his development as a basketball player? Because it's different when you're on the court in the NBA locker room. Totally how you, different. How do you know? How how, do you, how could you possibly know that, Mr. NBA? Are, are you saying that that's I not true? I hadn't seen you on the court. You're saying that's not true? I'm saying that you can relay the same message and, and educate him today the same way you would in Look, two years I, or I whatever it is. I teach about the history of the Great Wall of China right now if I needed to, but it would be a completely different thing if you and I went to China and were there. It's a completely different experience. I'd be saying the same words, <laughs> teaching the same lesson, but we'd be there experiencing All right. it. All right, let me throw this out there. You, whether this happens or not, of course, it's at least two years in the offering, but I think where the real issue becomes, how would you have be the coach, and then you got LeBron on your team, and then you have his son, and who's Bronny going to listen to? The coach? Because a lot of... A lot of people say that uh, when, when LeBron is playing with this, that the team usually tunes out the coach and does what Bron with LeBron wants to do. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's a narrative. So to get a coach out there that would be put in a position to have to deal with the son and the father, and what if he wants to criticize the son? Does he have to put up with LeBron saying something? I mean, I that's where I think would be a major issue. If it's a good coach, he'll listen to LeBron. Who's a good coach that could put up with that? <laughs> Who's a, a good who, coach? Who, who can, bro, who can put up with that? Eric Spolstra, one of the best NBA coaches we have, if not the best. When LeBron was there, who did he listen to? Pat Riley. LeBron. 
All right. Well, we'll have to check back on this in a couple years. Look, man. I do like the idea of him retiring and coming back, though. If the, if the Lakers Save don't the craft a roster. The ultimate look, load management. Am I right, Lee? You're, that is the ultimate <laughs> load management. If the so Lakers I, don't I don't think LeBron he's sitting out, though. a roster better than this year that he thinks he can win with, I can totally see him uh, taking a little break I, for a year. I can't see him sitting out after getting swept four games. I think he comes back. I don't know if Irving resigns with Dallas. And does he really want – they didn't have such a great relationship at Cleveland, did they? Does anybody have a great relationship with Kyrie Irving? Uh, there must be somebody know. out there that you can play with that's you're going to have a better situation than Kyrie Irving. All right, in the app, you guys are uh, – What? What are we? Uh, there's a difference between being on the bench together versus explaining something after the game. Uh, what game is Lee watching? Le- Le- LeBron is all about LeBron. He's the most selfish player in the NBA. He's the most selfish? That's I'm just reading I, what the I, Okay, says. I just wanted to understand. That's totally wrong, but go ahead. That's fine. Who's the most selfish then? I don't know who the most selfish. I'm saying it's not LeBron. Well, how can you, if you don't know who the most selfish is, how can you automatically say it's not LeBron? It's not LeBron. I know that. But you don't know who he is. So it who could cares? be. I don't know who what who is the most selfish player. Yeah. There's a lot of guys out there that just uh, want to pad their stats and things like that. LeBron's never been like that. He's been the ultimate team player. But the 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 flopping, the oh I'm hurt, I'm going to stay down here for an extra 3 minutes. That that's part of being selfish. That's that's wanting the spotlight on you, the getting up and the oh I'm exhausted but I'm going to keep going. That 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 act that that's all about being selfish. Well, that's your take, not mine. That you don't think that's selfish? No, I don't care. I, I watch when he the plays game. when he plays to the camera and he's being dramatic. Not that he's the only one that does. I'm not. Yeah, the NBA they all do that. What well, doesn't make it not selfish? I I'm referring to the play on the court, not that stuff. As far as selfish, he's the ultimate team player when it comes to getting people involved. He's always been like that. Uh, he tried to take over yesterday. He didn't have the help. Now, as far as the flopping and so forth, Mark, I, I, I can't address that because, you know, I saw him go down a few times yesterday, but it looked like he had good cause for it. Uh, all right. Hour number two is in the books. We come back with the Sunbelt Commissioner, Keith Gill. Uh, we'll also have some Chick-fil-A for you as well. And we're hoping to preview uh, Heat Celtics tonight as well. So stay with us. A busy hour number three. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee right here on the sports station WNSP. On the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. 
All right, 804, hour number three. The opening kickoff continues right here on the sports station, WNSP. We are now joined by the commissioner of the uh, Sunbelt, Keith Gill. Keith, welcome to the opening kickoff. Good morning. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. So great talking to you, Lee and Mark. I appreciate you having me back. No, thank you. You just came off your Sunbelt Conference meetings. What was the hot button? What was the hot topic last week? You know what? Really, we, we just talked a lot about our momentum and, and how do we keep, you know, investing so that we can keep growing in the uh, growing you know, kind of where we are. I mean, you think about it, we had a great football season. Um, you know, we had all these upsets and certainly had some really good teams that were, were ranked and obviously the way Troy finished. Then you think about basketball, we had four teams in the top 100 of the net on the men's side. And then we've had, you know, multiple NCAA tournament teams in both, um, you know, men's golf, softball. We certainly would anticipate that again in baseball. We've got a great tournament coming up in Montgomery. So, um, Sunbelt is in, you know, we're in a really good spot, but we think our uh, best days are ahead of us. And it's just, you know, how do we continue to invest and, and make good decisions so that we keep kind of growing the advantages that we have? Was there much, much discussion on the transfer portal? Because like any other school, Sunbelt schools, they lose players to the SEC and so forth. The movement has just gotten incredible. Did that come up? And, and if so, wh wh where's the Sunbelt stand on this? Yeah, you know, we did talk about transfer portal and particularly, you know, kind of um, name, image, and likeness impact on it. I think one of the things that you've seen with the combination of the two things, transfer portal and name, image, and likeness, you know, people are using that as an inducement to, to, to induce people to transfer. But the reality is I don't – the transfer portal is not going away, you know, and certainly I think if, if, you know, if I had a magic wand, there are some changes that I would certainly make to it. But, you know, we're not in an um, environment where there's going to be restrictions placed on, on movement of students. It's just not going to happen. And so what we're trying to do is figure out how to best work in an environment that isn't going to change, although we may not think it's perfect. Keith Gill is the uh, commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference. He joins us here on WNSP. Uh, we are having a little fun earlier today. Um, so this documentary is coming out on HBO Max. I'm sure you've heard because you got your finger on the pulse of all things uh, Greek life. But uh, Bama Rush, uh, Bama Rush. So it got us thinking, what would be some of the great reality shows that as a commissioner of a league you'd want to see? Because it's great PR, assuming it's done the right way, right? And anytime that uh, you can you can open people's eyes to what you're doing, what would be a great reality show for the Sun Belt? Wow. You know, Man, that'd be really interesting. Well, I know what wouldn't be a great reality show is you know, a day in the life of the commission. That'd be pretty boring. Yeah. Nobody would be really interested in that. You know, I, you know, I, I think um, I really just think a day in the life of our student athletes. You know, I mean, I, I think that, you know, one of the things I'm always dismayed by in some of this, you know, conversation that we hear about student athletes is they're exploited. You know, schools and conferences don't care about them. You know, and, and I think it could be, it, it's just further from the truth in terms of, and particularly when I look at the evolution from when I was a student athlete, which I actually thought was a tremendous experience, to what, how we support student athletes now. So I would love that just to kind of demystify some of these negative things that we hear about the student athlete experience. And we can all talk about, you know, should they make more, should they make less, all those kind of things. But I think this narrative that they're poorly treated and people don't care about them is so far from the truth across all of, you know, college athletics. 
I would love to see something to kind of give some insights to show that that just really isn't the case. Are you familiar with this bill that the House of Representatives on NIL is going to consider? I mean, have you heard much about it or what relief it would provide? Because I know there's been uh, a movement by the NCAA to help uh, try to get Congress involved in this. Uh, Has that come up at all, Keith? Yes. No, we've talked about it a lot, and we actually, um, you know, we submitted, you know, we were one of the few conferences that was asked to submit um, some feedback to um, Senator Manchin and and Senator Tuberville. Um, And, you know, you've also seen a new kind of bill coming out from Lindsey Graham. And so um, so we we are supportive. You know, I I think one of the issues that you find with um, name, image, and likeness, when I think – when I think about, you know, what the important things, the first thing is, is kind of just notice and transparency, you know, so that, that there really is a database of deals so that some of these things that, you know, we hear, we can verify whether they're true or not, and that will help us get to a better market. So I think that part of, you know, the bills that are being kind of kicked around is a really kind of important piece of it. I think this uniform kind of state law piece is really important. I mean, I think within our leagues, you know, we've got different schools that live by a different set of, um, of laws because of the different kind of state regulations. And I think having kind of a uniform kind of space in that regard. And then I do think there's some consumer protection aspects that I think are really important for student athletes, you know, and I think trying to have a consistent kind of um, contract and um, a consistent way those contracts are to make sure student athletes aren't signing things that, um, you know, they don't fully understand or that are, you know, giving away some rights um, for a longer period of time than they should be. So I do think, um, you know, most of the bills that I've seen are, 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 are bills that I would support. They generally consist of the things that are important to the Sun Belt in terms of um, name, image, and likeness. And, um, you know, I'm assuming some combination of those when the horse trading happens, you know, will happen. And, and I assume it would be something we would support. I think you mentioned earlier when we talked about issues and, of course, the portal where – athletes are stampeding into the portal it's ridiculous the numbers and i think you may have mentioned something that if you may have a solution is there such a solution at least from your opinion maybe it had to stop it at least somewhat from uh, so many leaving schools and, and thinking the grass is greener yeah you know I, so i think uh, what i think what i do think is one is I, I think one of the most untold stories about the portal is all the students that go in and don't find a home. Yeah. You know, and I, and I really do think if that message could be, like, clearly communicated, the grass just is not always greener on the other side. And I think one of the problems for us is the only thing you hear about are the success stories, you know. And so you don't hear about all the folks that went in the portal and didn't find a home. And then so that means their scholarship's gone at the school that they were that they were at, and then they don't have a place to go. Or they transfer and they don't play, um, which, you know, everybody wants playing opportunities. So I think trying to have um, some education there, trying to get that information out to people, I just think would be helpful. You know, I just think we've gotten to this kind of point where the culture almost says you're not very good if you're not being recruited to transfer or if you're not considering transferring. And so, and I just think that that narrative is wrong. So I think it really is kind of changing the narrative and getting that information out there because the reality is, you know, more more students go into the portal and don't find success than go in and do find success. You well, know? And, and I think that people just need to know that when they go in, and I don't think they do. I think everybody thinks it's all sunshine and rainbows, 
and the reality is they get in there and it, it really is kind of a bit of a no man's land and it's it's for a lot of people hard to find a good outcome now how about this how about uh limit uh, let's say undergraduates that if they transfer they have to sit out a year couldn't that stop it you know that could that certainly could change it but you know the the, the interesting thing is I um there's a whole lot of sports that didn't that people were allowed to be immediately eligible and transfers have increased there. I really just think the culture around it has changed a little bit. And I do think the problem with making people sit out a year is I don't really think we're in a legal environment that would allow us to put more restrictions on on yeah. students. I just don't know that, that that's just where we are, you know. Twenty years ago I think that could probably work. I think now would be a bit of a challenge. So I think we're going to have to live with some version of, you know, folks getting the opportunity to at least transfer once without sitting out. But I think that, I think the interesting thing is there's, there were only five sports where that wasn't permissible anyways, you know, footballs and basketball, ice hockey. And, and so, and so it's, it, the interesting part to me is there are sports where you could, you've always been allowed to play immediately on your first transfer that are now seeing a lot more transfers. And I think that that is indicative of just the culture is changing in terms of disruption and movement. And I don't think that that's good for anyone. I think some people are, are, are finding good homes in that culture. But I think for the most part, it's, it's not good for students. It's been disruptive. And a lot of them aren't finding good homes. Uh, yeah, and again, I'm not breaking news here when I tell you it's such a complex issue because I think this has been – this has been a long time coming, and it's not necessarily – I don't blame any one entity for it. Like you said, it's kind of a cultural thing, and I'm not sure we can – I don't think we can put the genie back in the bottle, right? Because you can't, you can't throw a blanket statement down because there's always going to be an exception to that rule about a kid that needs to transfer. But I guess the kids to some degree are just following the lead that adults before them have done, right? We, we talk about how we hate to see all these kids being – transfer and all they do is transfer and they go three and four schools but you know if there's a coaching change you can certainly see why that kid wants to transfer but coaches have been leaving schools for years right they break contracts so i think they set the precedent i just i don't know how to fix it i don't think it's fixable yes yeah i i think that's right and and i just think we have to just change the way we think about what fixing means right yeah you know, because I think if fixing means there's no movement, then I think 100% you're right in that regard. To me, because I've kind of shifted where the paradigm is now, I, I think fixing means everybody has the right information to make a decision that is going to get them good outcomes. And that's where I think we're lacking now. And that's where I think the change has to be because we're not going to be able to strict, restrict movement. And I don't know that we're going to be able to change the culture. Right. And well, so I think what you do is you try to show folks, hey, look, you you might think you're going to leave school A and go to school B and play, but school B might be just be thinking of you as a backup, and you may not play, and you may not get the NIL stuff they're delivering. So how do we make it so that people are making the right evaluation so that they can get to a place that has and, – and, and, and to your point, uh, and, and, and I guess here's, here's – um, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, Keith Gill, our guest here on WNSP. Uh, no, yeah. the the other part was, you know, there are instances out there. One very public, I won't name. You know who it is, but there is a school out there that just showed 50 to 70 kids the door, and again, that's 
probably not in the nature like that's not that's not really that's not really what the transfer portal was for but like we talked about right coaches don't get four and five years to build their programs they got to win now or they're out of a, a million dollar job right multi-million dollar job so it's it just got all these um unintended consequences to it that i just you know people want to blame the kids for transferring but they're coaches that are kicking kids out of programs, essentially. Like, it's it's just such a weird dynamic right now. Yeah, I think that's right. And and I think there's, you know, enough blame to go around if that's the right word or, you know. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think we blame anybody. I think people, you know, at the end of the day, people are just trying to make the best decisions to put themselves in the best position they can. And, and I'll never blame them for that. You know, what I think our responsibility is is making sure they're making – the best decision. And I don't think that's happening right now. Cause I think some people are, you know, and for everybody that complains about the transfer portal, there are good success stories in it. You know, it's worked for some people, it's worked for some schools. Um, and so there, there are good things about it. It's just that when you're having, you know, 800, 900, 1200 kids transferring, I don't know that that's the best for the system and trying to get that movement down to a more reasonable number um, I think is going to be best for everyone. I don't know how to do it, but I do think information is the key because so many kids are going to the portal and not finding a home. So true. Commissioner, this is the first time I think we've had a chance to talk to you since the announcement that the uh, college football playoff format in two years will move from four teams to 12, and I just wanted to get your take on that. Are you all for it? Is this beneficial to the Sun Belt? Was this one that you were pushing for, or do you see flaws in this? This is one the Sunbelt has supported. I've pushed for it. Sunbelt has supported. We are really excited because I think it gives us an opportunity to, to earn a spot in the in the playoffs. And right now, I would say that really hasn't existed, you know, for for conferences like ours. I mean, you certainly, you know, Cincinnati made it, and good for them. But you know, that's eye of the needle type stuff when you think about the season they had that year to kind of make it. So the fourteen playoff really wasn't giving us a great opportunity. I think the twelve team will. I'm really excited about that. I think the Sun Belt will benefit. And, um, you know, we really can't wait. You know, it really starts in, in really one year. You know, we've got this season. This is the last season of four. And then the next year, you know, the 12-team playoff will start. So it's good for the Sun Belt. We can't be more excited about it. Commissioner, we can't thank you enough. It's always a, a, a lot of fun when you come on the show, man. So we always appreciate the time, and we look forward to doing it again real soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yep, that's Keith Gill, ladies and gentlemen, the commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, when we come back, we're going to do traffic and weather here, uh, and we'll give you a chance at some Chick-fil-A. Uh, coming up at 8.30, we're scheduled to be joined by Orlando Alzagari as we uh, try to preview the Celtics heat. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. Don't forget, votenappies.com. The opening kickoff up for three nappies. The station up for seven. You can vote daily, and, of course, we appreciate uh, your vote. We have a title to defend, and we're looking to do it. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. This is Andrew Zow, Alabama former quarterback. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A All right, the moment you've been waiting for. Suddenly.
your daily dose of Chick-fil-A. What do you got for the folks today, Mr. Shervanian? It has to do with the Lakers getting swept. So the question is, name the last NBA team to sweep the Lakers in the conference finals. Now, the word conference finals is the key here. Not the finals, not the NBA finals, the conference finals. The last NBA team to sweep the Lakers in the conference finals, 694-1055. We got into, we got a couple minutes, so we, we got into this kind of debate about LeBron playing with his kid. And I made the point that it was selfish of LeBron in the way that I think LeBron is generally selfish. And we kind of got into a debate about whether or not this is a selfish act. Do you believe, uh, at least, Nick, you would agree that or, or say that that was not necessarily a selfish act? I would say LeBron's the most selfless superstar uh, in NBA history. So just say, yeah, that that's not a selfless act. Okay. Do you? I'm Same, sure. I agree with him on you that. Agree. Yeah, that, I don't think that's a selfish act, wanting to be with your son. I don't. I, I don't see why it would be considered to play with your son if you have that opportunity. All right, so would it be selfish if his son, hypothetically, and I'm not saying he would yeah. be, if his son were better than LeBron, <laughs> would, it, would it be considered selfish? No, but I, to say his son's better than LeBron, no, no, I don't think it is. I don't. Ronnie uh, has the unique opportunity to be directly mentored by the best player in NBA history, have him look out for him in what can be a tumultuous first year in the NBA. You know, LeBron, I mean, Bronny's not some guaranteed top five pick, right? So LeBron's going to be there. He's going to be able to teach him things that he wasn't able to teach being there in that moment on an NBA court. So that's what Bronny gets out of it. Bronny's, Bronny's doing great. And then what does LeBron get out of it? He gets the heartwarming and fulfilling experience of being with his son. Which and is secondary, of course, to the teen first, years in right? the future. Bronny will see that that was actually the most important part to him. See, we don't know the, the family structure. We're not in the household. They may be great friends as well as father to son. You know I mean, <laughs> they hate I each other. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it's like that. Dad, what yeah, do I have yeah, to do. Yeah, it? I don't want. I don't. I don't know if he's at home saying, "I don't really want to play for you." <laughs> like, but I don't blame the. I think. I think there's a. I don't know how much experience you've had in this, but I've known a lot of fathers who would like their son to follow them in business, okay? It doesn't always happen. I've seen it personally, and I've been, in a sense, you know, in my enlarged family, I've seen it happen. Uh, it doesn't necessarily work, start out well, or maybe maybe the son doesn't want to be a part of it, but eventually, you know, it does happen. So I don't I don't see having a father wanting his son to follow him. I don't think that's a big deal. All right, let's take a quick phone call on this. Go ahead, caller. You got like 30 seconds. Hey, uh, I just want to know what, what, Nick, what makes Nick think LeBron James is the greatest in NBA history. I will tell you this, he does have the numbers, but let's look at it. He's been in there since he's 18. I think Nick is mesmerized by the numbers. And LeBron is, is LeBron is capitalizing off of longevity. Greatest NBA player of all time? I think not. Just because the numbers say it don't mean it's true. He's been in there for, what, 25 years, going on 30? When LeBron gets there, he'll be 40 years, 50 years old playing? I mean, come on. He's not the greatest basketball player of all time. Have a good day. 
Nick's such a stat guy. Look, if you want me to tell you why LeBron's the greatest no, player in NBA history, you've already told uh, us. Go ahead and give me a whole nother show. Okay. Um, we'll give you your own podcast. It's not just the numbers. Do it your podcast. Do it on your podcast. He beat the best team in NBA history. Look, we're coming up on a break. <laughs> I don't have time. <laughs> but it's I would. A, it's a, can you at least say it's a generational thing? Did you think then that something like this would be possible? Damn right. I did. Damn right we did. Um, and the best part about it is we still don't care what none of y'all think. Honestly speaking, um, we don't care if you pick us to win. We never have. We never will. We know the group of guys we have in this locker room. Um, we know that Coach Bo um, puts so much confidence and belief in each and every one of us. Coach Pat as well. 832, welcome back in. The opening kickoff. Got a couple segments left in this Tuesday edition, so thanks for hanging with us. We ready to go down to Miami? That's great news. That was Jimmy Butler. Let's see with uh, the Big O and the Big O podcast. Uh, Orlando Alzagari has to say, uh, should we just pick Miami to win tonight, Big O? I, I think so. I think the heart of the Celtics has been gutted out. Uh, I think everybody saw that in Game 3. And I think part of their problem is that um, they look to their coach and he doesn't have any answers. And Spo has been running circles around Budenholzer, doesn't matter who it is. And, you know, obviously New York wasn't even really a challenge. That's not really even an accomplishment, beating New York. So it's just been one of those things that, um, you know, the Celtics are clearly the better team. They are the more talented team. They should be winning this. If Spolster was coaching the Celtics, they would be up 2-1 or 3 nothing uh, right now at this point in time. Uh, it's just th- that team looks discombobulated. You know, one of the things I talked about is this reminds me of 2010. Not the same scenario, but in a way kind of the same characteristics. And the two, in 2010, the Miami Heat had just brought the big three together. They didn't have the right ensemble around the big three they didn't have the right role players ray allen and battier and guys like that had not arrived yet that was the year after in 2011 and so and lebron had not graduated yet and jj berea had posted him up and everything in that game and that dallas game and you know the next year is when lebron finally grew up in game six against the celtics and then got that edge that he had never had up until that point. And, but it really wasn't about that. It's more about the fact that that year you had the more talented team on the Heat side. They had the big three, right? At that point, Ray Allen had not joined them, so the, the fourth Hall of Famer was not part of it. But they had three future Hall of Famers on there, whereas the Mavericks only had one in Dirk Nowitzki. But the difference was that team played together. They were good defensively. Miami was not there yet. They weren't together. They weren't playing well defensively. And so they did not have the pieces. They were a little discombobulated. And I think that's what's going on right now. It's not that they don't have the pieces. They're just discombobulated right now. And who's the better team? The Heat. They only have one star in Butler, and everybody else are role players. But everybody knows their role. And there are no egos going over. And you look at the Celtics, and it's, well, no, I'm going to do something here, Tatum. Okay, no, then Brown's going to do something. It's, there's a lot of one-on-one basketball 
they're not really playing for themselves or with each other. And that's the difference with the Heat. You're watching a team that is completely sold out to each other. Remember, this is the third time in four years this team is in the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's not a fluke either that, that the Heat are here. Like a lot of people said, oh, it was the bubble, it was the bubble, it was lucky. Well, here we are four years later, and the Heat's going to the finals again. So I guess it's not so fluky. Orlando Alzagheri, uh, our guest, to talk about sports in Miami. So the Miami Heat in eighth seed, leading the Celtics three games to none. In the National Hockey League, the Florida Panthers in eighth seed, leading the heavily favored Carolina team three to none. What's who's more impressive? Or I, they're both impressive. What, is any more more impressive than the other? Oh no, I'm going Panthers by far uh, because the, the the favorites to win the cup were the Boston Bruins. Uh, Vegas had them as number one, and they had the greatest record of all time in the history of hockey. So the Panthers go and eliminate them, and then the Vegas says, "Okay, so now Toronto is favored to win the Stanley Cup," and the Panthers eliminate them, and then Vegas says. Uh, okay, Carolina's now favored to win the Stanley Cup. And then all of a sudden, the Panthers are on the brink of eliminating them. And the Panthers, by the way, are the next favorites in front of Vegas and the Stars. So finally, the, the Panthers are going to be favored in the Stanley Cup for the first time. Whereas you look on the other side, really, Denver's the best team. It's not any of the teams that are in the East, unless maybe a healthy Milwaukee with with uh, with Giannis, maybe that's that's the equal, the equal to it. But yeah, I got to go with the Panthers. By the way, I just want to remind you all, um, Nova Southeastern University Division Two went to the Final Four, ended up winning the national championship. University of Miami and FAU basketball went to the Final Four in the NCAA tournament, and now we've got the Panthers and the Heat in the Final Four. So. It's not just these two teams. Let's not forget the other three that made it to their own Final Four in their respective sports. So it's been quite a roll here for, for all these teams. But I'll give a slight nod to the Panthers only because they've taken on the favorites to win the Cup every single time, and they've eliminated it every single time. So I'll give a slight edge. You know, listen, the Heat got a break. Giannis got injured in the in the in the first series. Then Miami finished him off because he did come back and they beat him twice after. So they were and Jimmy missed one of the games. So Miami, you know, did their share and they got by. And then the Knicks were are an easy out. They're they're not impressive. Only people in New York actually thought the Knicks were something. Uh, the rest of us that actually really follow basketball, we know it's just a novelty. It's a New York thing. And now you've got the Celtics. So you eliminate Milwaukee and the Celtics, that's pretty damn impressive. But i got to give the Panthers just a slight edge. But, yes, South Florida has been on a Final Four roll here. Okay, let me ask you this, though, Orlando. Your average Miami fan, would he trade everything you just mentioned for a Lombardi trophy? Yes. In a heartbeat? Yes, 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 and yes. And, by the way, we only need (laughs) – I mean, the the MLS
MLS soccer team does not count because it's only been a couple of years, so we can't put that demand on them. But by the way, if the Panthers, which I think they have the better chance of winning the championship than the, than the Heat, as much as I'm rooting for the Heat, there's no way. I'm, I, I, you know, you're gonna. I'm gonna be objective. I'll pick the Nuggets in that series because the Nuggets are the better team. They have the two stars, but the Panthers have a, a real shot at winning the the, the 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 Stanley Cup. That's the only championship left in South Florida. Uh, two in baseball, three in basketball, and two in football. We have not had one yet in hockey, so hockey would complete the foursome there here in uh, in South Florida. I don't know how many cities there are, but I'm sure there's only a few that have won championships in all four sports. The Big Show podcast, Orlando Alzagari. So I- I'm just big, cur- o, big O radio show. That's how they find it. Big O radio show, please. That's okay. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm glad you, you inserted that. That's I want to get it accurate. So take, again, just opinionated, how do you feel the NBA feels about this now with perhaps this series winding up tonight? It's never happened before where both conference finals ended in four and then having like an eight-day layoff before Denver and Miami play for the championship. I mean, what are you going to do? It's it's just something you can't control. It's it's one of those things that everything is unpredictable. Nobody even expected, you know, a month ago. You have to remember this. A month ago, the Miami Heat are losing to the Hawks in the fourth quarter of the play-in game. Okay? So if your buddy leans over to you and says, Oh, dude, don't worry. The Heat are going to win this game. They're going to beat the Bucks. They're going to beat the Knicks. They're going to sweep the Celtics, and they're going to go on to the NBA Finals. You turn to your buddy and say, would you shut up, you moron? You know, because at that moment, they, they have not played like anything you're watching right now. They have not shot the way you're watching it right now. They have not hit the three the way you're watching it right now. They barely got to 100 points per game, and now they're exceeding 100 points like it's going out of style. So all of a sudden, this team is playing a completely different type of basketball than they were playing at the beginning of the year. So this is all so unpredictable. How can the league know? How can anybody know? And so it's just one of those things that, you know, it, look at look at uh, on the hockey side. You know, nobody – look at the, the way the Panthers – the Panthers needed help to get into the playoffs. You know, the Panthers had a fourth-string goalie named Alex Lyon. Okay, he was their fourth-string goalie. He was a journeyman goalie that they picked up, and the guy got on a roll that he's never played like in his entire career – never will play like that again he never played like that in the ahl forget about the nhl and so this guy helped get the panthers into the playoffs and look the panthers not only got into the playoffs they are probably now the favorites to win the entire thing which is just pure insanity and these are the moments where all of us as sports fans we can sit around you know and like you were joking with me lee earlier hey maybe the marlins will do it next i'm telling you they don't spend but what the hell, man? In 2003, we saw the Marlins take down the $200 million payroll Yankees with a whole bunch of young guys, you know? So that's the beauty of sports. Anything can happen, and and the NBA is dealing with it now that uh, they're going to have a – hey, the NFL does this every year, right? We have the dead week before the Super Bowl. There you go. Now they tore another page from the NFL this this year. Think Jason Tatum finally gets a basket in the fourth quarter. Ooh, wow, that is some. Ba- I mean, you're the one that declared you're one of the best players in the world. You know, that's uh, this is why guys. And I know I'm going to, you know, maybe stir a little up here on something. But I always laugh when people tell me, 
oh, LeBron's better than, than, than Jordan. And I just told you the story that LeBron had not graduated yet in 2010. He had to go through the embarrassment of Dallas and the loss and J.J. Barea guy half his size posting him up and all that. And then in 2011, he graduated and finally game six against the Celtics on the road. He had that moment. And from there on, LeBron's been a different player since then. Well, Michael Jordan did it from when he was in North Carolina. And to ruin it for you all, the movie Air, in that movie, they, they talk about that play that Jordan hits in North Carolina. And he's going, well, wait a minute, Perkins and the stars are on the court. And Dean designs the play for Michael. That's all you need to know. And then the stories from there out. And so, you know, it's just, it really, if you're a great player, you're always hungry to be the, the guy, the star. You know, it's kind of when you watch the movie The Replacements, right? And Gene Hackman turns to Shane Falco and says, Shane, what do you want to do? And he looks at him and says, I want the ball. And he says, winners always do. And that's exactly it. When you're a champion, when you're a winner, you want the ball. There is no way you treat the ball like a disease in the fourth quarter and you're not shooting it. You need to have the ball. You know, it's kind of that line, uh, you need me on that wall. You want me on that wall. That's what the star needs to feel like. And to me, what Jason Tatum has done in the last three games and no shots in the fourth quarter that's gutless. That's unacceptable. Stars don't do that. Stars love to be on the line. Win or lose, they want to be in the middle of the whole thing. They can handle the heat, and they love to take the victory lap. So, to me, Jason Tatum, my brother, you made a, you made a statement that you were one of the greatest players on the planet. Well, when you're one of the greatest players on the planet, you don't disappear in the game's biggest moments. Big O, we appreciate it, man. We'll be following you on Twitter at Big O Show. And also you can search uh, YouTube, the Big O Radio Show, man. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Gentlemen, have a great one. Be safe out there. That man packed more movie references in I one know, statement I'm like, than I did all show. Where did that come Who's from? Who's going to do it? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? Where'd that come from? I don't know, but I like it. Were you talking to him before the show? No. No. Boy, he uh, he really dug deep yeah. into Hollywood. All right. Uh, the dude made a, a few good men and replacements and air reference all in one answer. It's all over the place. It's a man after my t- own heart right t- there. Topped you. Yeah. Pretty good. I, I was going to re- reply with you. Your Weinberg comment, but he, he'd still be on the phone talking. If it wasn't for you, I would never know who Shane Falco was, and then oh. he brings it up. The the question we really need to dive into is who's the better quarterback, Shane Falco or Johnny Utah? That that's the big topic of conversation right there. I think you might get different answers. One final segment of the day. You guys can jump in six nine four one zero five five. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us. Hi, this is Philip Rivers, football coach at St. Michael Catholic. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio.
tomorrow. Wow, Let me tell you that. Do you want the full <laughs> menu or you just want it? Give it to me, Big Daddy. Lay it on the line. I want the whole, you know, seven course meal. It's, it's one of those. Big Let's eat. It's one of those big time shows. I'm actually finding some room here to put you on the show. Oh, good. Well, you know, if you made it this look, let me say this. If if, if we're so crowded with guests that I you can't find room, I'd rather you tell me today so I know not to come in tomorrow than sit here and well, that would leave an empty parking place out there. Right. So no, but what do we got? We have the same amount of guests, but it's we're going to talk NBA with Dale Osborne. I've heard of him. You have Richie Riley. I've heard of him. Chris Stewart. Yep. How about John Garcia? How about John Garcia? You're the one who notified me that he has switched from SI to Rivals. I did. And with all the player movement and things like that. But now this is just scheduled. But we're scheduled to be joined by Mobile Sports Hall of Famer Jake Peavy tomorrow. All right. So that's that's. So what is that, like eight, nine guests? No, just five. The usual. Okay. So as, as a rule of thumb, you always get us five to six guests? Well, normally I try at five. Okay. Why? Why is like five the magic number? Yes. Why, is, is there any reason as to why? None, why none five? at all. None so at we all. could do like three one day? That would be controversial. Well, yeah, so we can hear him talk about LeBron again being the greatest player in the history of the NBA. Um, get the people what they want. Uh, or maybe what the people want is for him to say that and for you to disprove his theory. Well, I'm not going to do it anymore because it's it's ridiculous because nobody's going to win. I mean, like I said, it's a generational thing. I I lean towards Michael Jordan. My thinking is, and of course I can't prove it, that if Jordan was on that team yesterday, they wouldn't have lost. You, I'm talking about the Lakers, okay? They just didn't lose games like that. Um, Michael Jordan at what age, though? 40? <laughs> Let's see. What was he, 38 when he joined the Washington Wizards? <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think LeBron is an outstanding player and an outstanding individual, uh, but I don't consider him the greatest player ever. So that's all. Do you? Mark, I just got a uh, update on my phone. Uh-oh. LeBron James is okay not playing with Bronny. What? LeBron walks back his desire to play with his son. Just because that's my aspiration doesn't necessarily mean that it's his. Oh, how about that? So everything you said about LeBron, I want you to apologize for it. Why? It seems like that's consistent with what I was saying. No, because you were saying that it was all LeBron and that he was selfish and LeBron just... Showed the humility that you said that he didn't have. Because he just realized that it may not be his son's. <laughs> Thank you. Do you ever apologize yeah, at I the dinner li- table? Your Me? Dinner t- yeah, you. I doubt it, but do you ever? Sure. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask your son, Alex, if that's well, true. When, I, when I'm wrong, I'm not going to apologize when I'm not. Yeah, I forgot to leave the first part of that quote that said, I was listening to the opening kickoff, and Mark Heim inspired me to say this. And by the way, vote those guys, the (laughs) nappy winners, because they they know what they're talking about. That came out, I think, when he had his post game, and he he put that cryptic message out there that he's thinking about you know, next season and, and insinuating that he may be thinking retirement because I think that was brought up. But what about your statement about wanting to play with Bronny? And that's, I think, was his response to that. Yep. 
He's he's sulking because Ronnie doesn't want to play with him. Oh. <laughs> I'm only get cut Dad, off his allowance. You tried. You know, I, I would say nuggets. I would say he would cut <laughs> off his allowance, but with the money that Bronny's getting to go to Southern Cal, I don't think that's a factor. Bronny'd be like, I can't get paid if we got to carry your contract too. Sure. I want to go to a good team. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, good stuff. Okay. All right, so Bama Rush, who's watching tonight? I feel like I need to watch it. T- I think I'm going to watch some of it tonight. Uh, probably. To, actually, I'm probably going to have to watch it today because no one in my house is going to allow me to watch it tonight. I think I I might watch A Man Called Otto. Oh, so I've seen that. Was it good, Lee? Yes. I don't know if you'll like it knowing the kind of shows you talk about. I'm not saying you will not. <laughs> But well, I, I like know, Tom it's about Hanks. a grumpy old man yes, who I finds like new light in his life by the youthful people around him, right? I saw that last week. I, I would recommend it, but again, I like Tom Hanks, and I, I just don't know if you know if that'll appeal to you because the kind of movies you talk about, but I maybe it will. It, I can see it kind of mirroring some of my own experiences in All my right. day-to-day. Well, do watch it and let me know how you feel about it. <laughs> All right, I will. <laughs> Are you referring to me? It's uh, good stuff. Yeah, you, you have Tom Hanks energy. America's sweetheart, right? America's favorite actor. Isn't Tom Hanks still that? I don't know if he's still that. He's he's he's. Uh, I don't know if anybody dislikes Tom Hanks though, right? I will say he is really. You talk about playing different roles. I mean, going from the first movie I thought was that Bachelor Bachelor Party. Party. And where, he is now, and where he is now, I know where he is today, and based on that one. I mean, in all the roles, like what it was it played uh, uh, contemporary with a soccer ball. And now that one, I didn't see the whole thing. Was Castaway? It? Yeah, and it was a volleyball. It was a volleyball. <laughs> oh, was it a volleyball? <laughs> why? Sorry. Why should we? Why should we? Can? Why should we know the difference here on a sports station? But yes. Uh, then there was Big. Big was a was I a love great it. yeah that was a great a good one. movie, uh, where he was a kid that got yeah yeah hence the title. Um, Sleepless in Seattle. Sure, you've got mail in the same genre there. The, the the suburbs was that one. The burbs. The burbs. The man with one red shoe. That was back in the eighties. Wasn't he in a TV show called Bosom Buddies too? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I think I we talked about that, that recently, I right? I think that. we were talking about, about TV the theme themes. Song. Yeah. Tom uh, Apollo thirteen. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, Saving Private Ryan. Forrest Gump. Oh, We're just going to go down the Philadelphia. <laughs> We're just going to go I'm down just, the list. I'm just surprised. Bridge of Spies. <laughs> I'm just surprised to hear you, Nick, say that you want to see that. Man I'm a guy Otto. who likes good movies. And sometimes films. Have you seen it? No. I've right. seen the, I've seen it uh, available, though. I wouldn't mind seeing it. For sure. No, they're, they're, it's rare to find a movie. What was the one with, uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio where he was trying to... Uh, Catch me if you can. can. That's another good one. That was a good one. Oh, I'll tell you one thing that Tom Hanks might have missed on. Elvis. Yeah. Oh, that thing you do. That was good. Oh, that's right. That was one of my favorite movies. It was a snappy tune. I really enjoyed (laughs) that one. Catch me if you can. That went Broadway. That just went Broadway. But I really enjoyed that movie. Has Tom Tom Hanks been in a sports movie? Yes. The League of Their Own. Of oh. course. <laughs> no crying. No crying in yeah, baseball. Really all. And he's also a talking cowboy toy. That's right. He will always be Woody. You're my favorite deputy. There's a snake in my boots. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody poisoned the water hole. <laughs> 
All right, for uh, for Nick and for Lee and, of course, Tom Hanks, I'm Mark Heim. That does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. We're back at it tomorrow at 6. Until then, see you.